Good morning, Crosspoint. If you'll take your bulletin out of your... Let me reverse that. If you'll take your outline out of your bulletin, we'll get started on today's message. We're talking about heaven today. What a great topic. It's been a number of years since we've spent an entire sermon on this topic. It's one of the truths you can count on. You know, most people don't think about heaven very much. They, they really don't. Uh, you know, our minds tend to think about the urgent, the not-so-urgent, and the after-I'm-dead category. And heaven seems to fall into that last category. But that is a huge mistake, because there is no greater truth than the truth of heaven. Thinking about heaven can get you through some very difficult times. You know, the Apostle Paul made heaven as his goal. Look here at Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, I strain to reach the end of the race. Isn't that interesting how Paul talks about what we're going through right now here on planet earth, our existence here, he likens it unto a race. Now is it a 50 yard dash? No. It's more like a marathon, isn't it? And 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 I think it's important that we know where the end of the race is. And Paul's about to tell us. I mean, what would you think if I came to you and I say, all right, we're going to have a race. On your mark, get set, go. And I take off. And you start taking off. And then you say, hey, well, wait a minute. Where's the finish line? And I say, I'm not going to tell you. That wouldn't be fair, would it? I mean, you wouldn't know where the, Indian, the finish line is. Well, Paul tells us where the finish line is. He says, life is like a race. And we run to receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. And so let's keep focused on what? The goal. What's the goal? The end of the race. And what's the end of the race? Heaven. That's the finish line, folks. We Americans tend to think it's no getting the house paid off, getting the kids out, empty nesters, retiring, and ah, that would be heaven. No, that's not heaven. That's still earth. And you're still going to have problems while you're on earth. The finish line, Paul says, is heaven. I like what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis, great writer, he writes this. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought the most of what? The next world. Have you been thinking about the next world? You should be. I mean, all the, the hospitals that got built, you know who built them originally? Christian folks. Those that thought about the next world. The universities, the Yales, the Princetons, the USCs, they were preacher training schools first. Did you know that? The educational system. We would not have the current educational system that we have today were it not for Christians because the Bible says, study to show yourselves approved. And how do you study to show yourselves approved if you can't read and write? You know who started schools? Christians did. It wasn't the atheists, folks. Hospitals, orphanages, taking care of widows. Who, who started all that stuff? It was people that were thinking about heaven. It was God's people. Now, I have some frequently asked questions. When people come to me, one of the frequently asked questions, I'm going to give you the five most frequently asked questions that people ask me about heaven this morning. First of all, 
they asked me, where is heaven? And if I had a room, if this audience was filled with first graders, and I were to say, first graders, point to heaven, where would they all point? Up. That's right. Because even first graders know that heaven is up this past week. Uh, three upward, not three upward, three karate moms. I guess they're doing a new class of karate. They didn't know where to go and who to talk to. And so I said, follow me. Let me take you over here. So I took them upstairs to Tomas. And the, we teach a little karate class on Tuesday. Well, that evening, Patty happened to be signing kids up for upward uh, soccer camp, sports, uh, cheerleading, all that stuff. And so I took the ladies up there and said, when you come out downstairs, would you stop and see a lady named Patty? And one of the ladies goes, well, that's my name. That should be easy to remember. Yes, we'll stop and look. Well, two out of the three did. And uh, I noticed them talking over there in the, um, the Family Life Center. So I went over and I said, hey, good to see you guys are getting signed up and taken care of. I'd like to invite you to our worship service this Sunday morning. I'm going to be talking about heaven. And I said to one of the moms, what do you know about heaven? She goes, oh, I, I, uh, I really don't know. And I is this your boy? This is my boy. How old is he? First grade. I go, young man, where is heaven? He said, heaven's up. I said, you're right. You know more than your mother. <laughs> Sometimes our kids know more than we do. Heaven is up. I know some of you are thinking, Bruce, man, that is so deep. How do you come up with these spiritual truths <laughs> week after week? I know it's a tough job. And God is just giving me that gift to take something really deep and make it very, very simple. Because he's given me a simple mind. But you know, it is a biblical truth, right? Look at this next verse. Lord, I look up to you. Up to heaven. Heaven is up where you rule. And then this verse. Jesus, when he took the five loaves of bread, two fish, looked up toward heaven. And he asked God's blessing on them. And then the psalmist said this. Or maybe that's all I have on that. That's all I have on that. They talk about the third heaven, the Jews did. They talk about the air where we breathe. That's the first heaven. The sun, moon, and stars, second heaven. Where God lives, where God dwells, that's the third heaven. That's what they were looking up to. It's a higher plane. It's higher than anything you and I know about. Anything we have ever experienced, it's a higher level. Uh, haven't you ever wished you lived in a place that was pain-free, worry-free, stress-free, temptation-free? You will, but it's not going to be here. <laughs> this is planet Earth, and as long as you're on Earth, you're going to have all those things. You're, you're going to have problems, and you're going to have doctor's appointments. You're going to have, <laughs> this side, dentist appointments. I had a root canal this past week. It took me three visits, two different dentists, and all three times they had to shoot me up. And one of them even said, I'm going to have to go to the roof of your mouth. It's only going to take a couple. I swear he did five times. Boom, 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 boom. And it hurt. No root canals in heaven. Isn't that good? And you know what? Another thing, there's no death in heaven. A few weeks ago, we had a neighbor. I said, oh, I want to talk to you guys. I have a prayer request. Uh, you know, I've been doing some doctor's visits, having some testing done. Yeah, we knew about that. Well, the results came back. And I've got pancreatic cancer, stage four. 
the doctors are saying, I have three to four months to live. Would you pray for me? Would you guys pray for Diane Andrich? Can you remember that name? Or Di? She goes by Di. That's how we know her. She's our neighbor. She, she's been such a blessing to us over the years. Our kids grew up together in our neighborhood. She has helped Jane going way back to the days of Our Lady's Tea. They were here, if you were here on Resurrection Sunday, kind of a tall fella and his wife was a blonde. If you met, that is Di. And she's been given three to four months to live. And we've gone to her house and prayed on occasion. She's come to our house and prayed on occasion. We're getting together tomorrow, and we're going to be praying with her. She's at a place where only a miracle will do. And the last time we prayed, I said, Die, with the news you've given me, I'm praying for a miracle. And because when only a miracle will do, that's what you pray for. And I'm asking you to help us pray for her. Just remember Diane. That's all you've got to remember. And... We'll let her know that Crosspoint is praying for her. But there's no death in heaven. There's no temptation in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. There's no suffering in heaven. And here's some really good news. There's no diets in heaven, all right, folks? Eat whatever you want. No diets. We get new bodies. But where do most people get their idea of heaven? Uh, Probably the movies. And one of the movies, they make heaven seem so boring. It looks like clouds, right? You're floating on a cloud, You know, playing a harp. How boring is that? That is not heaven. Heaven is a real place. It's incredibly vibrant. It is a material place, like earth, but it's perfect. You know, you think that's solid? That's not solid. Everyone right now, pinch yourself. Give yourself a little pinch right there. You feel that? You're you're really not feeling that. You're feeling that based on how you feel things on earth. But when you get to heaven, your experience of feeling, taste, touch is going to be perfect. It is the most vibrant, real place. The Bible actually calls it the real thing. This is sort of a shadow existence. But we really don't start existing until we get to this perfect place called heaven. Can you imagine a perfect place. I mean, I don't know what you like to do here on earth. Maybe you like to, to, to David do likes to hike. And that guy can go on a hike, and he can go for miles and miles and miles and never get tired. I can't keep up with that guy. But just to see a beautiful waterfall. But it's not just a beautiful waterfall like they have in Yosemite Valley. It is the perfect waterfall. Why? Because heaven's a perfect place. Keith's kids like to surf. Those guys are pretty good surfers. They're going to have the perfect waves in heaven perfect sunsets maybe you're into relationships your relationships here kind of sometimes stink and they're not so good and you have good days and bad days and ups and downs well in heaven every relationship that you have will be perfect perfect why heaven's a perfect place that's where i want to go that's where you want to go and that's why christ made the way but heaven's not only up heaven is home i know something about every one of your homes It's not perfect, and it's not permanent. But our heavenly home, a perfect, permanent place. How do I know that? Because the Hebrew writer will say in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16, but they were looking for a better place. What? A heavenly home. Next verse. But our homeland is in heaven, the Philippian writer will say. And 
And, and that's, that's pretty cool. The psalmist tells us what kind of place it will be. Look at Psalm 1611. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Where is that presence going to be? With eternal pleasures at your right hand. What's heaven going to be filled with? Eternal pleasures. Well, how many pleasures will I get? Pleasures for an eternity. And each one is perfect. You say, does one get better than the next? No, everyone is perfect. So they don't have to get better than the next. Perfect pleasures at the right hand of the Father. See, I I can put up with anything in this life that God calls me to go through, knowing that I've got a perfect place like this as my permanent home. I think every Christian needs to remind themselves of this. I think every Christian should carry in their wallet or in their purse or on their person this statement. Well, these two statements. It does get better than this. See, because you're going to have some really, really bad days on earth. Imagine you just got fired at work and you're on your way home to tell your wife and you get into a car accident. You've just been rear-ended, and you're going, oh, can it get any worse? And you get out of your car. Nobody's hurt, but you know that there's going to be damage, and then the, the tow truck, and the auto body repair, and the expense, and you're getting out, and you go back to see who just ran into you, and it's your wife! That's a bad day, right? It does get better than this. On your worst day, pull that card out. But you know what else? On your best day, we need to learn to pull the card out. You know, you've just been promoted. Uh, and then you find out that a wrench uncle has left you millions and millions of dollars, and you turn down the promotion and say, no thanks, I think I'm just going to retire. And you, on, uh, when, on your way home, let's say you're young, you get, you get into the house and the wife says, I'm pregnant, and it's a boy. And I insist we name it after you. And then the the newspaper that day has your name and your face as man of the year. Think that'd be a pretty cool day? Well, here's what you do on your best day. You say, the best is yet to come. It does get better than this, and the best is yet to come. Because nothing on this planet can compare with this perfect place called heaven. It's a homeland. It's up. It's got eternal pleasures. Number two, will we recognize people in heaven? That's a question that people often ask. I'm just going to let the Bible speak for itself. Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember in Mark chapter 9 and verse 2, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Those guys were in the inner circle, so he took them with him and led them to a high mountain where they were all alone, just them. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking to Jesus. Now, how did Jesus know? Hey, that's Elijah. That's, hey, that's Moses. He recognized them, right? And Moses recognized Elijah, and Elijah recognized Moses. And so I suppose we're going to recognize one another. You know, the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the Thessalonians, he said something like this, Are you not my reward? Are you not my joy and my crown? See, Paul expected when he got to heaven to see the folks that he had won to Jesus. 
and recognize them and say, I'm not getting a literal crown on my head. You're my crown. You're my reward. It's going to do me a great deal of pleasure when I see you in heaven. Paul expected to recognize them, and so I expect to recognize my folks, my my, uh, uh, neighbors, friends that have gone on before me, and, and you should too. Number three, another frequently asked question. Will our pets be in heaven? <laughs> to this I say, uh, why not? Uh, this, this one could go either way. I, I read on this and studied on this, and, and uh, it's kind of a toy, coin toss, but I'm in a good mood today, and so I'm going to lead toward what C.S. Lewis thinks. Read him on that. He's got some good points. And so I'm leaning toward yes, because heaven's a perfect place and there's no sorrow in heaven. And if you need a little fluffy to be with you in heaven so you're not sorrowful, then little fluffy's going to be there, all right? Now someone can come back and say, but Bruce, doesn't God have the ability to block out your memory of little fluffy and so what you don't miss, you don't care? Well, I suppose he can, but I'm in a good mood, all right? I'm thinking Fluffy's going to be there. And in Genesis, it says God created living creatures. And if you look up and do do your own homework on this, I don't have time to develop it, the word living carries with it the idea of a soul. Put two and two together. And then read Isaiah. It's not in the notes. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9. And draw your own conclusion. Next question. What will we look like? What will we look like? I'm just going to say a whole lot better than we do right now, all right? A whole lot better. Paul will write in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's take a look up here. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body will they come? What are we going to look like? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So we're going to die one day. When you sow... You do not plant the body that will be, so it's just like a seed. You know, you put a seed in the ground. Now, he didn't name the kind of seed here. It's probably had wheat in mind, but I'm going to use corn for my illustration. When you sow a seed, a kernel of corn, you put it in the ground, what comes up? A big old kernel of corn, right? No. A little tiny blade, of looks like a blade of grass at first. Have you ever seen this? I lived in Portales, New Mexico. And Buck and even Pardon had a big garden that they planted. They had about 10 acres, and I would watch them plant their corn because I got the benefit of eating their corn and their okra. Never knew what okra was until I went to Texas and New Mexico. Fried okra is a very good thing. Boiled okra tastes like turtle spit. You don't want it. But fried okra, good thing. Anyway, they had a garden. They plant the corn, and up comes this little blade of grass, and then it turns into kind of a stocky thing and kind of thick, and then little shoots start branching out. Got this little fluffy tail at the top, and then these ears of corn start growing. And then you shuck those ears of corn, and you see all these little tiny what? Kernels of corn, which were the seeds that you originally planted in the ground. I don't know what all that means, but Paul likens that under the human body. It's going to change. It's going to be similar, but it's going to be different, just like a seed. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. So we will be, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. We're going to get a new body. The body that is sown is perishable. That's the one we have right now. It will be raised imperishable. That's the one we're going to get. 
It is sown in dishonor. That's the one we have right now. It will be raised in glory. That's the one we're going to get. It is sown in weakness. Anyone want to give a testimony? That's the one we have right now. It will be raised in what? Power. You don't have to go to the gym and work out. You're just going to be powerful. You're going to have a brand new body. A perfect body. I love that. Number five. What about babies? What about babies? Are they going to be in heaven? Yes, of course they are. Based on what? The character of God and based on the system that God has established. Babies are what we call safe. You've heard me talk about this many, many times. Bruce, I thought you said babies are saved. No, babies are not saved. Babies are safe. In order for a baby to be saved, a baby has to be lost And you get lost when you sin, and babies have never sinned, and so babies are not lost. Babies are in a safe condition. Can you prove that to me, Bruce? Yes, remember the story of King David. He had committed a great sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. You know the whole story. We don't need to go through that. But the point was, um, the prophet came to, to, to David and said, God's taken your baby. There will be a price to pay. And for seven days and seven nights, David did not eat anything. He went to the temple, put on sackcloth and ashes, and he prayed and fasted, and he mourned. God, save the baby. Don't take it out on the baby. He's not really taking it out on the baby. It was just part of the sin process. There's a fall. There's a price to pay. And then the baby dies. Lives seven days. David's torn up, and the servants say, Man, who's going to tell David? Look how he's handling it when the baby's sick. He's going to fall apart when he finds out the baby's dead. And I'm not going to tell him. You tell him. No, you tell him. I'm not going to tell him. And David looks up and goes, what's going on, guys? Did the baby die? Yeah, the baby died. Paul gets up, bathes, takes off the sackcloth and ashes, puts back on his royal garb, and he eats, and he moves on with life. And they're going, hey, we got a question here. What's the deal? When the baby was sick, you did all this, but the baby dies, and now you're going back to life as normal. And here's, here's his response. This is in 2 Samuel 12. Let's read it. He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? It's a rhetorical question, and the answer is what? No! I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And where was he pointing when he said, I will go to him? Heaven is where? Up. Told you it was a deep theological truth. Well, what does this mean to us? What what can we do about this message? Three things. Three things you can do right now. First of all, you can remove your doubt about going to heaven. If you doubt, you're going there. It's no wonder you don't think about it very much. How do you clear this up? Well, John puts it like this. 1 John 5, 11. This is what God told us. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has what? Life. If you're in the Son, you have life. What kind of life? The eternal kind. But who ever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things that you may K-N-O-W can know that you have eternal life. Did you know that you can know 
that you're going to heaven? John says so. Now, Jesus knew that some of us don't like to ask for directions, and so he says, I am the way. You want to know how to get to heaven? I am the way. That's all he's saying here in this verse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to heaven except through me, so follow me. Have life in the Son, and you too can get to heaven. Are you saved by grace? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you put him on in baptism? Have you been united with Christ? If so, you're in the Son, and you have life. Well, I don't feel like it. Don't listen to your feelings. Listen to the Word of God. The Word of God says you have the Son, you have life. It's just that simple, folks. Now, some of you feel unsettled about this truth. Sometimes people will say, well, yeah, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior, but I just don't feel like I've done enough. You know what I would say to you this morning? You're right, you haven't, and you never will, and that's not even how you get to heaven. Look at the verse. Life is where? In what you do or in what Jesus has done for us? It's in the Son. Get in the Son. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 clears it up. I mean that you have been saved by grace through believing. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. It was not the result of your own efforts. So you cannot brag about it. The only one I'm bragging about when I get to heaven is Jesus Christ. Number two, replace your anxieties with thoughts of heaven. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, We have small troubles for a while now. That's planet Earth. But they are helping us gain an eternal glory that is much greater than the troubles. Set, we set our eyes. You know what, folks? That's a choice. We set our eyes not on what we see. What is it what we see? Earth, problems, troubles. But on what we cannot see. What was Paul saying? He set his eyes when troubles came on where? Heaven. Yeah, but I'm going to heaven. But Paul, aren't you going through a hard time, a shipwreck, a beating, a storm? Yeah, but I'm setting my eyes on heaven. He didn't look at his problems. And then he told the Colossians in Colossians 3.1, let, uh, let heaven fill your thoughts. Again, that's a choice. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here on earth. Well, how do I do that? How do I make that practical? Well, let me give you a picture. Suppose this summer you were going to go on the vacation of your life. I mean, a lifetime vacation. No expenses spared. This was going to be fantastic. Wouldn't you do a little preparation for that vacation right now? Let's say it was going to be in July. Wouldn't you start getting a little bit excited? You know, maybe start talking to people about, yeah, here's where we're going. Here's what we're going to do. We got all these excursions. We got all these plans. Or maybe even get in shape a little bit, get that new bathing suit. Maybe start the tan, pre-tan, all that stuff. And then you go and you just have the time of your life. And when you get back, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to remember. If you have a vacation like that planned this summer, that's just a very small taste of heaven. Just a tiny little small taste of heaven. And so whenever you have a worry, whenever you have a problem, let your mind drift toward heaven. In much the same way that, oh, if I can just get through this week, vacation is next week. Don't you ever do that? I just got to get through this week. Vacation is just a week away. Heaven 
is just a short time away, friends. And so let's keep that in mind. Number three, refocus your energies on treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 19. Store your treasures where? In heaven, not Bank of America, where they cannot be destroyed by moths or rust and where thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart is where your treasure is. Store your treasures in heaven, folks, because that's where your heart is. Two things are going to last. Did you know that the only two things that are going to last is the Word of God and people? Word of God and people. That's what the Bible says. Two things are going to last. And so don't waste your life on the temporal. Look to the finish line, which is heaven, where you're going to hear these words. One day you're going to die if Jesus doesn't return first. But all of you who are in Christ, who know the Son, are going to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Why is he going to say well done? Because we did the best thing that we ever could do. We accepted the Son. We get to heaven through Jesus Christ. And if you've accepted the Son, you're going to hear, well done. Are you looking forward to that day? I know that I am. Let's close with Revelation 21. Good verse. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Some of you shed tears lately, recently. There will be no death, no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything. Listen to me. Everything new. So, instead of bowing this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me. Okay, look up here on the screen. Let's close in prayer this morning. And I want you to read aloud this prayer with me. Here we go. Lord, let's say it again. Lord, I don't want to live one moment longer without about whether or not I'll be in heaven. Thank you for sending Jesus to tell me the good news that you love me and you want to welcome me into your eternal home. Instead of trusting in what I can do to get me into heaven, I trust in your son Jesus. When life on earth gets me down, let me remember your promise of heaven. Help me to live for that which lasts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go and enjoy your day and your family. Remember those who died and laid down their lives for our country, the brave men and women who serve our country. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Go in peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day.